Jason Fisher. Thank you for listening to the Heritage Church podcast, where uh, quite frequently I get together with a person in our church to talk about things. And right now we're talking through the uh, Valley of the Shadow series that we've been going through on Sunday mornings, uh, right out of Psalm 23. Uh, where the psalmist talks about walking through these valleys, these these dark places, but but even in those places, God is with us. And so we've been looking at things like loneliness and anger and doubt and all these different things. And uh, today, I'm being joined by Ben Nauman. Ben? How's it going, guys? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, how's your day going? Not too bad. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, we... Uh, we're sitting in this room and there's all sorts of things going on around us. So if you hear uh-huh. trucks and stuff like that, you know, in the background, just, just know, you know, that's where there's a lot of, a lot of hustle and bustle going on around us. Always is. Yeah. But that's all right. Uh, so today, Ben, we are talking about shame. Shame, shame. I know your name. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I think we use, I think we, we use that word shame, mm-hmm. like, uh, but we but do we dig around and we really know what it means and and so forth have you have you thought about like what shame might mean or yeah you know? i think for me personally shame usually comes in the form of i've made a mistake or i've done something wrong yeah and it's not just oh you've made a mistake but you're actually less valuable because you've made that mistake yeah and so shame is sort of this thing that like attacks my identity yeah. and my worth yeah. as opposed to it just being a mistake. Cause it's like, we all make mistakes, yeah. but shame has that extra little like kick in the butt to try to. Yeah. Well, even in that little phrase that you use, shame, shame, I know your name. Like mm-hmm. that, that speaks to that identity piece Yeah, where there's some, there's something about shame where we feel exposed mm-hmm. and judged for it Yeah, and seen, but you know, also, also judge. And I think that's, uh, I want to say from the get go, I think humans have a real, I know I do. We have just have a deep desire to be actually, we have a desire to be fully exposed. Yes. Fully known, but fully accepted and Mm -hmm. loved. But that's terrifying because in our fallenness, in the sin uh, that shows up in all sorts of ways, including shame. And, and when we talked about shame, <laughs> excuse me, on Sunday, we talked about Genesis where Adam and Eve, God makes Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. and it says that they were naked and not ashamed. So they were fully exposed, not, yeah. not even just in a physical, sexual sense, in, in every sense. Yeah. And yet when they rebelled against God, they ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to, they disobeyed God, they ran and hid and they covered themselves. Mm-hmm. And God had to go looking for them. And I love that image because God's been coming to look for us ever since. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't let us um, hide away in our shame. Um, he pursues us. And that, that's a painful thing, right? Yeah. Because that means we've got to be exposed mm-hmm. to him, uh, especially. Um, because, but he wants to heal us. And, yeah. That. And so... Yeah. I would say, you know, for anybody who is experiencing shame right now, you, you, you need to know that God loves you and that, so much. And that he is, he's it's like we're in this cosmic hide and seek game, yeah. you know, where God is not going to stop until he finds us. 
And that's why Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Absolutely. And when he came. So we see that through Jesus Christ for sure, who despised the shame, it says in the Bible, despised mm-hmm. the shame of the cross, that he endured shame, but he did not take it on as his identity. Yeah. Um, so how have you been, uh, how have you experienced shame in your life? Would you be willing to share something personal there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a big, especially in my youth, a big sort of word that was spoken over me was special or greatness. Mm. And because I was a smart kid, Mm. like I was in honors classes growing up, like I always did really well on tests, but homework I didn't always do. Um, And so what happened, though, is that people saw how capable I was but they saw that I wasn't applying myself. Mm. And uh, it was this continual conversation of like, oh, he's so great, but. Yeah. And what that did was it created an expectation for myself to be great yeah. all the time. Yeah. Because if other people are seeing this greatness in myself, I should be seeing this in myself. Yeah. But where that falls short is that, I mean, Paul talks about it. It's like, apart from God, I know my sin best. Yeah. And so in my failure, in the times that I would fall short, it was this continual, like, you need to do better. Why aren't you doing this? And even in moments where I would not be doing what I was supposed to be doing, having that voice in the back of my head being like, hey, you're not doing the right thing. You need to be doing this schoolwork or this project or this assignment or whatever it was. And what happened is my self-worth started being tied to performance and started being tied to how other people were validating me and complimenting me and building me up through how they saw I was performing. Yeah, that's so easy to happen. Yeah. I've experienced the same sort of thing. Yeah, you just... Living for other people's approval, mm-hmm. um, wanting to fit in, to be seen, and to be um, valued, right? Yeah, yeah, respected, admired, and th- those things. Absolutely. How does that tie? How did that tie into shame then for you? For me, it very much was like I stopped asking for help. Mm. This shame that I would feel would isolate me. So uh, help me, help me with this. What? In what ways did you feel shame? How was that shame brought yeah. on? Is it, was it in, in not being able to measure up or, or yeah. was it something else? So it was not meeting the expectation. And it wasn't even spoken expectation necessarily, but it's what I thought other people expected yeah. of me and falling short of that. And with that comes embarrassment and the shame that I'm like, I don't even want to tell you that I've messed up because you think I'm supposed to be great. I think I'm supposed to be great. And yet this is what the result is and the result was failure. Yeah. And so the shame is like, I want you to isolate yourself. I want you to not ask for help and I want you to know that you're a failure. Yeah. And Mm. just these lies that it's like, even though I knew in my head that that wasn't necessarily who I was, that's what I was believing about myself in my heart. Yeah. And that's a, you made me think of something. I'm going to, I'm just Mm -hmm. interrupt you for a second. We, I, you, I think we all have it in us to desire greatness. Yeah. We all have it in us to desire, um, esteem, greatness, success, like all of these different things. 
Uh, but sin has, and I think that's a God-given thing. Yeah. I think God gives us that. I, I think that, that when you read Genesis and the, the fact that man and woman are created in the image of God, mm-hmm. like, like that there's a, there are aspects, there are characteristics of God that are meant to shine through us. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful, great calling. Absolutely. But sin has distorted that and corrupted that. Yeah. And so now we don't do it perfectly. In fact, now we want glory for ourselves. We want to, we own greatness for ourselves mm-hmm. and, and have, have gotten God out of the picture. And, the, and, and, and so I think because of that, I think because we all desire that, which is a God-given thing, but sin has messed it up. Shame is inevitable. Yes. It's absolutely inevitable for 100%. all of us because we have that desire for greatness, uh-huh. but we try to take it on our own. And then when we don't achieve that, we're embarrassed or even worse, feel shame. Yeah. And all these phrases of ought to, should, mm-hmm. uh, measuring up and identity stuff, they come in and, and they take over. And that's why it's so beautiful that God restores us through Jesus Christ. For sure. The gospel certainly addresses not just shame, but our desire, our need for greatness. Yeah. And it's just so amazing to me and compelling when the Bible talks about how Jesus is going to share his riches with us, his yeah. inheritance, yeah. his familial status, his mm-hmm. status as righteous, his glory even, it yeah. says, that he's going to share with us yeah. to meet that deep desire mm-hmm. as an answer to that shame Absolutely. that we experience. It's awesome. So. Well, and like the image that I get with shame is that it's sort of like I was in a room and in the middle of this room, there's like this raised platform. Mm -hmm. And on top of that platform is this like exalted version of myself, who I'm supposed to be in quotes, who people's expectation of me is, who my expectation for myself is. But then like standing on the floor is who I actually am. Mm. And so I'm looking up at this thing that I'm supposed to be and yet it feels unreachable. And what's so interesting about that is like in my shame, I'm making myself an idol Yeah. because I'm so focused on myself and my failure that I'm actually removing God from the equation. And sort of as you touched on your sermon about anger, it's like... The rod and the staff that should be comforting. I'm actually yeah. trying to like take those things and hide them away. Yeah. Because that's or use them for myself. Right. Or use them for myself. Like yeah. I'm, I'm trying to like pull my cloak over myself and like hide and like I don't want people to see this. I don't want people to see that I'm not that. Mm-hmm. And so I know for me in my shame, what that brought me to do was okay. I need to construct what's on that pedestal outwardly like i need my outward appearance to look like it's this thing that's yeah. all the way put together and all the way like it's just like a it's just like a a shell of exactly some idea or concept yeah. exactly when on the inside it's like no i'm falling apart yeah and it's it plays this mask of being put together but in reality not yeah not having that put togetherness yeah. and being disheveled or yeah however you want to describe it yeah Something that's really struck me throughout this series is how often we've come back to the need for community. Yeah. Because in all these things, I mean, obviously, like loneliness is an obvious one. For right? sure. You, you're, it's the definition of being isolated. Uh-huh. But things like shame, shame isolates us. Yeah. And I, I think that I see that time and time again 
You know, we, we believe that, that there's a spiritual realm and that there are evil powers and forces For sure. that are trying to keep us down, keep us hidden, keep us in sin so that we cannot grow in our capacity to reflect the image of God yeah. and to witness to Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's essentially these powers are, are trying to keep us from being the humans that Jesus wants to transform us to be. Yeah. And in, in, in so doing, give him glory. And um, because of that, <clears throat> one of the huge tactics that the enemy uses is isolation. 100%. And shame is a great way to do that. Yeah. You know, we, we want to stay hidden. And so we begin to withdraw. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the, the need for community uh, keeps coming up. How have you seen or experienced that with respect to shame in your life? It's a good question. Um, well, while you're while you're thinking about that, um, I think I think another thing that that's related to that is that it was really heavy on me as I was preparing this this talk and and talking about it. You know, um, on Sunday, is that that part of the process of eliminating shame in our lives mm -hmm. is to be exposed. Yeah, like we have to step out. And be honest. Yeah. And that's terrifying. Very much so. That is so scary to expose. And, and not just to everybody, right? It's not like you're supposed to get up on stage and, and declare your deepest, darkest sins. Uh -huh. But James says, confess your sins to one another. Yeah. And in so doing, you'll find healing. Mm -hmm. uh, is he talking about physical healing? Yeah, probably to some extent. I think there's spiritual and emotional healing, though, 100%. too. When you step out in faith and you allow yourself and your heart to be exposed to someone that you trust, mm -hmm. but it's a scary thing. Like, yeah, there's it's something that uh, we've got to do out of an obedience to that spirit's prompting. Yeah, to step out of that shadow, out of that corner of isolation, mm -hmm. toward a person, yeah. and allow ourselves to be exposed. <clears throat> excuse me, and then trust. That we're still going to be accepted after it. Yes. After we spill our guts. Yes. How do you, what do you think about that? So I think I've, I've had multiple experiences with that. Yeah. In terms of really positive experiences where people are like, oh my gosh, yes, let's step into this together. Yeah. Like, this is not who God says you are. And people speaking life and truth and just in prayer over me. Yeah. But I've also had it where I've told people things and they're like, whoa when they start to withdraw and they're sort of like yeah that's so that that's awful isn't it it is and it's like it's not even because that was their intention yeah but it's they don't know how to deal with it either or they may be struggling with the same thing and so they don't actually know how to speak life into those places yeah because they're not experiencing full life in those places either yeah and and i say full life relatively because we're all sinful and broken but there are people who have received healing in places of shame and so i think on the bad side what that does is it actually kind of compounds the shame and it's this confirmation bias of oh their reaction to this not being positive means that my shame is actually true yeah and yeah it does it serves to reinforce it yeah and on the opposite side though Stepping out into the light with people who love and care for me 
and are like, hey, that's a lie from the enemy. Like, that is not at all who God says you are. God says that you are loved. God says that you are his child. God says that there is abundant grace and mercy for you to be had every day of your life, not just in heaven, not just when you become this thing that you want to become, but like that can begin today. Yeah. And I think that was really transformational for me in my life is understanding that like we're already free. Like because Jesus already won, yeah. because he died on the cross, because he beat sin, because he beat death, like I don't have to get free from this thing because I'm already free from it. Yeah. And with shame, what that means is that as I'm experiencing shame, I get to go to the Lord and say, God, this is not who you say I am. In fact, this is the opposite of who you say I am. And it's these people who have spoken life into me, these people who are coming around me to reinforce that and be the mouthpieces of God in my life. Mm-hmm that have sort of like moved me to this place and like the lord uses people to speak into our lives yeah like the lord uses people so that we can experience this change of be that perspective or just understanding of what shame is yeah yeah you're you're answering the question i was asked i asked earlier yeah that you kind of paused at is is there is something about um, confessing and opening up to another person, this, this idea of community mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to combating shame in our lives, that is an opening up to God. So in confessing our sins or in opening up about shame or or, or things that are just keeping us isolated <clears throat> to a person, we're doing yeah. it to God as well. Yeah. And I would say in my experience, saying it out loud, daring mm-hmm. to be vulnerable with another human being, yeah. uh, makes it real very much so you know i could i could do it alone in my heart with god Mm -hmm. and certainly the spirit of god begins to work on me and and so forth but it goes back to me for me uh to like the uh the story of the woman who was bleeding yeah when when she touches jesus in the crowd and he stops and he turns around is like who touched me and Mm -hmm. his disciples peter's like uh everybody yeah yeah yeah, who's not and but jesus won't let it go and it's because he wants to identify this woman as a human being who doesn't just need physical healing. She needs restoration to the people around her. Yeah. And so she has to be exposed and it's painful and it's mm-hmm. awkward and she doesn't want to do it. But Jesus so gently leads her into that exposure. Yeah. Why? Because he wants to heal her and he does it in a group setting. He does it in yeah. the context of community. And so again, if you're listening and you're stuck in some sort of shame, maybe there's something that's just keeping you bound up. Um, you're trying to measure up, and um, or or there's sin in your life that you just don't want anybody to know, and it's keeping you from from really truly being the human that God's made you to be. Mm-hmm. There is freedom in Christ for you. Yeah. But I do think it requires that important step of courage. Yeah. And faith to tell somebody absolutely and that's scary very but i think it's i think it's this the first step towards healing from shame 100 percent. and like even from like a physical sense our amygdalas which are like 
the parts of our brain which are oh, we're going to the amygdala yeah huh? the amygdala oh, wow okay so the amygdala right. is like this part professor, of our brain professor nauman here uh-huh, is going uh-huh. to uh give us a little neurological uh discourse is the like part of our brain that essentially controls emotion uh-huh. and so it's located sort of right above your neck uh-huh. where your like spine attaches to your skull yeah and what that controls though is these feelings of shame and fear anxiety like it's your flight or flight fight or flight center <laughs> mine's sense. flight or flight i don't fight have, or yeah, flight. I don't yeah, have yeah, any yeah. fight it's all flight or flight <laughs> the fight or flight center of like okay how am i going to react to the stimulus yeah and it's there's scientific research out there that as we put words to emotion yeah and what we're feeling the amygdala stops like going on overdrive yeah it calms down it settles and so like this idea of not just working it out in our hearts with the lord but also confessing that before someone else like there's research to like why that's beneficial because it's taking these words that are just spinning and all over the place it's not even words right it's just like right feelings feelings. yeah and and or and fake conversations exactly yeah and what it does is it grounds it in reality. Wow. Like it takes it from the air yeah. and it puts it to like concrete. And you'd, 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 you'd have to think those things have to be spoken out loud, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, spoken, written, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. turning it into something that's tangible Yeah. because then our brains move to the logic center mm. of where, okay, I'm now not just feeling this. I'm now not just reacting to this with emotion, which... When we talk about emotion, we talk about heart. Yeah. And like within scripture, it says frequently our hearts are deceitful. Yeah. And so as we can move it out of that place of just emotion and into logical thinking, like in confessing that before someone, in using logic, like in also knowing who God says that we are, we can see it's like those two things don't line up. Mm-hmm. When I'm feeling shame... I'm not thinking logically. Mm-hmm. I'm not being sober-minded if I'm in shame. Yeah. Because to be sober-minded means I'm understanding and seeing with right vision. Yeah. And it's like, when I'm in shame, I'm actually blind to that. Yeah. I'm not seeing the purpose that God actually has for me in this. Yeah. And with that like withdrawal, it's saying to the Lord, and I know that this is true for my life like i know that you can take this but i don't know if you will mm-hmm. and there's a part of that that says i don't know if i believe that you want to because my shame has degraded my character and degraded my sense of self-worth to the point of where i'm like mm-hmm. does the lord love me yeah and that's an important part uh, to point out i think ben is that uh, shame not only erodes our identity, it, it starts to erode at God's character in our minds. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you can go all the way back to Genesis for that again. For sure. Like, just this questioning of God and his character. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, and we see that with them hiding themselves, yeah, right? Like yeah. immediately there is a shift between them knowing, loving and understanding who God is and his perfection. Yeah. Like, unfettered glory of God being before him yeah. to immediately after they eat the fruit being like, oh, we have to hide ourselves. Yeah. And it's like, 
they knew shame. They knew shame probably greater than anyone ever has because they understood. Yeah, can you imagine going from like no shame at all to overwhelming uh-huh. shame? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just so, such a contrast. Um, kind of in closing here, I want to go back to Psalm 23. There's a really interesting word picture in here. And, you know, we're, we're building this... Um, we're building this series off of Psalm 23, mm-hmm. and there's a sec- the section that we're, we're centering it on is verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, mm-hmm. for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So yeah. I think even in the midst of shame, we've got to remember, God is present with us. Yes. He's not hiding his face because no. he's appalled at mm-hmm. what we've done or thought or said. Yeah. He's with us. Yeah. And then, and then listen to this, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Mm. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we're shifting from this valley of the shadow mm-hmm. to this banquet scene. Yeah. What, what do you think the psalmist is doing there? I think it's this sort of like... This, this image that I get, and it might be a little silly, is like him being in the valley with this like gigantic table mm-hmm. and all of his enemies are sitting at this table. The Philistines, the uh, Amorites. The that's interesting. G- I don't see him sitting at the table because if they're sitting at the table, there'd be communion. Yeah. So they're like, they're just watching. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point. Yeah. It's like... Okay, all of these people are watching and seeing this like life that I'm getting to live and the way that the Lord is feeding me and providing yeah. for me. Yeah. And it's this sort of like Lord, regardless of what other people say about me, regardless what the world says about me, regardless how I'm feeling in the midst of the valley, like you provide. Mm-hmm. You give me what I need. You are sufficient. Yeah. To meet me in this place of shame, you're sufficient to meet me on the mountaintop. Yeah. Like it's speaking to not just the Lord's provision, but his sufficiency. Yeah. And he says, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Yeah. So it's like, not only am I dining in the midst of my enemies, which it's like, that's one of the most vulnerable places that we can be. Yeah. Is while eating. Yeah. And yet there's this great honor that's bestowed upon the psalmist who's yes. writing this. Yes. To, to be in the presence of God, mm-hmm. eating God's food at his table. And even that anointing, it's, a, it's an image of identity. Yeah. You belong here. You are worth what I have for you. Yeah. And this table uh, is such a beautiful image there. Especially because like anointing at that time was not just, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to go baptize my baby. Yeah. Like, that was a really big deal. When we're talking about anointing, it's prophets, priests, kings. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the offices that Jesus ultimately fulfills. But like, yeah. as people, these were the most important people within the Jewish culture. Yeah, Jesus even he criticizes the uh, Pharisee. I don't know if you remember this when he's when he's at the meal with the Pharisee and they're talking about all these sinners. Uh-huh. And Jesus is oh, it's the woman who's yeah. who's washing Who pours his feet. Out the and Jesus criticizes him for not anointing his head with oil yeah. and yet she's anointed his feet with her tears. Yes. And so there's this also I, I agree with you. It's like it's a kingly thing, but it's also a hospitality thing. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I guess just 
I encourage you if you're if you're wrestling with shame or even if you're not like spend some time in the in that image of this banquet in the presence of our enemies and in this case our enemies the the New Testament says that our our battles not against flesh and blood don't start thinking about other people yeah. in your life that you despise uh-huh. you know and they're they're yeah. the ones watching yeah. the enemy is the the spiritual enemy yes Satan the devil the the powers that are rebe- have rebelled against God and are yeah. trying to keep us from being the humans that God has made us to be keep mm-hmm. us from uh, communion with God. Yeah, those are our enemies, and the Bible says that we have power over them in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, the anointed. That's what Christ means. It means anointed. Yes. So the anointed one has anointed us mm-hmm. through His blood, through His His death on the cross, and His yeah. resurrection. So that we too have a place at the table, and that can be true even now in this life, mm. where we recognize that our cup is overflowing. And so, I think in 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 closing, one other one other step I would encourage you with is not just being vulnerable and courageous to step out and and be be exposed a little bit to someone that you trust, but also to enter into thanksgiving. Yeah. And a recognition of who you are in Christ. And yes, we're broken people. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're imperfect. We have all sorts of weaknesses. But Paul says, the Apostle Paul says that in our weakness, he is strong. Yeah. God knows our weaknesses. Yeah. And he loves to use us in the midst of our weaknesses. Yes. Not even in spite of. No. In the midst of. Yes. And he uses them and he loves us and and he is shaping us to be um Mm-hmm. The people that he that he wants us to be were his kids, and so that's my encouragement. Ben, thanks for being here, man. Absolutely, glad um, I could be here. If you want to know more about our church, you can go to heritagechurchaz.com. Uh, again, my name is Jason Fisher. I'm one of the pastors here. Would love to connect with you if you want to talk more or want to know more. But for now, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk at you next time. Mm-hmm.